Welcome to the Old Ways for the New Age podcast, where we are embracing ancient ways of being and opening our hearts to the magic of everyday life. We are your hosts, Christy and Hannah. Join us as we romance the ordinary, re-enchant our own lives with plant magic and get ourselves back to the garden. Before we get into the podcast, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the unceded land on which we live, work and record, the Wanjaraburra people. We wish to honour their elders past, present and emerging and recognise their continued connection to the land, sea and community. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Old Ways for the New Age podcast. This is Christy and you would have noticed a change in our introduction. Hannah and I are now co-hosts of the podcast. We have created and planned for some amazing content this year. You will notice the podcast separated into seasons from now on. Aside from these next two, so this episode and next week's episode, you will notice that we have created our content around the seasons. For autumn, you'll notice the three months content around that theme and we'll be walking you through not only what's happening astrologically but also the wheel of the year, the Sabbaths, so that's the equinoxes and the solstices. And astrologically we'll be walking you through things like the full moons, the new moons, the waxing and waning moons and anything else that might be happening in the cosmos at that particular time in that week. We'll be bringing interviews, more astroherbalism, and topics that are near and dear to our hearts. Because this podcast is and has always been about old ways, ancient ways of being. So we'll be diving really deep into some of those topics and looking a lot at a lot of history and ways that you can bring these things into the modern world, into your lives. These are just ways that we live and if you feel inspired by it, we hope that it helps in any way, shape or form. So for this week's podcast episode, we will be talking about the year 2023. Hello, year 2023. So happy to be here and the numerology and the energy behind it. And Hannah will also be talking about Lunasa or Lamas, which is the current Sabbath on the wheel of the year. Actually hits on today, 1st of Feb, which is really cool. And we'll be talking a little bit about manifestation, I'm letting you know when you can catch us on a live on Instagram to dive deeper into that topic. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Enjoy. So this year is the year 2023 and in numerology, you add all the numbers together and you end up with a seven, which means that we have the energy and vibration of the seven collectively for this year. Last year we were in a six year, which typically carries the themes of harmony, family, the collective, and anything to do with that. So you would have noticed that there was this focus on those themes throughout last year for everyone on a collective. Now, of course, everyone has their own individual year vibration that they're going through, and you can find that number by adding your month and your day of birth together to bring it down to a single digit 
So for example, I was born on the 23rd of the 5th. 2 plus 3 is 5 and 5 plus 5 is 10. 1 plus 0 is 1. So I would then add 1 to 7 and my personal year vibration is a year 8. So of course the collective year will also have your personal year vibration sort of overlaid on top of it. So it will mean something slightly different for everyone. But on a collective scale, this is the energy of the year. So a seven is one of those magical numbers where it carries the themes of the soul's journey. It's all about spirituality and intuition, the mysteries of life, the big questions, the whys. It's analytical and intellectual rather than being emotional. So we've just come from quite an emotional year. I'm kind of going more into an intellectual year, but we're we're still thinking along the lines of the collective and what is best for the collective, but we're thinking of it more as an individual. We're looking into our own selves more so than focusing on the harmony of the collective as a whole. But what happens when we do that is when we go deep inside and we address anything that needs to be worked on, like inner trauma or wounding from the past, then we can actually show up from a more aligned, authentic place, and that in turn helps the collective. Now, I just want to make a little note, side note here, that in numerology, when we say these are the themes, we're also meaning both sides of the theme. So if we're talking about last year and we're talking about harmony and focusing on the collective, the group, and we're talking about family relationships, friendship relationships and the harmony within we're also talking about the disharmony as well so it's not as though the year will take on a harmonious beautiful collective relationship it's not as though this year this 2023 seven year will take on this wonderful intellectual soul's journey into spirit and intuition and the mysteries it's also about the opposite of that. So it's the theme, it's the focus, and within those concepts, we will be looking at both sides. So for a year seven, you might notice that, you might notice the negative connotations that come with that as well. So over-intellectualizing the spirit's journey, over-intellectualizing the mysteries of life, and spiritual dogma. So just being aware that a focus on a theme means the negative and the positive within that theme. So you might find this year that you start to question things, you start to look at the big questions, and you start to maybe look at what is aligned for you. You might find that you really want to discover what is your authentic self really bringing it back to the bare bones what were the things that excited you as a child you might be looking at career changes difference in belief systems or working on your intuition trying to build that skill and i say skill here because i truly think that Everyone has the ability to be intuitive. I think that is just hardwired into us. I think it's more biological even than it is spiritual. And 
it's a skill and it's something that you have to practice at to get better at. It's just part of being human. It's not a gift. It's not something that is bestowed upon you. It's something that is already there. And it just takes practice for you to get better at it, like with anything. So for a seven year collectively, I see a lot of focus on this sort of healing through spirituality and that will show up in many different forms, I think. Overall, it's a beautiful year for really focusing on yourself, focusing on your self-worth, focusing on your whys, what is authentic to you and really getting down to what you expect out of life, what you want out of life and why do you want it? Is it because it's truly what you desire or is it conditioning? Is it something that's been put on you by family unit, society, whatever? I see a lot of people sort of taking the layers off during this year and what that means collectively as well is we might see that show up in systems um, as, as well. So any sort of new discoveries that might come through this real focus on, on healing for the collective as well. Something I've noticed already is that there seems to be this focus on health and wellness already. People are kind of shaking off the last couple of years and starting to really focus on their, their own health and well-being. Um, also want to just put in a little note here. We were in Mercury retrograde until the, I think it was like the 22nd of January. So if you made any New Year's resolutions regarding health and wellness and you sort of ran out of steam in the last week, start again. Anything that you start and plan for in a Mercury retrograde will end up getting caught in kind of like a loop. So if you've started something in a Mercury retrograde, you'll be able to revisit it in future Mercury retrogrades, but it will drop off once Mercury starts to go direct again. So all your best laid plans will sort of peter out within a matter of weeks, and then you'll be able to have another look at it later on when another Mercury retrograde comes around, but you get stuck in this kind of loop. So definitely try again from about, I would say February the 6th, when we're fully out of the shadow phase of Mercury retrograde. That's especially true for air signs and Geminis. Um, you're more at the mercy, mercy of a shadow phase of Mercury retrograde. So don't be disheartened. Anything that you've set for yourself as plans and you've found that you've run out of steam, just put that aside and start again and you'll have much more success with it from now on. Speaking of the astrological happenings, the cosmic weather for this week, we have a full moon in Leo on the 6th, which is Monday, I believe, next Monday. Full moons are typically all about letting things kind of go rather than calling things in. That's intention setting is more for a new moon. And a full moon is more about the shedding. It's more about letting go. And from that letting go, that space that is created, illumination comes through. So you'll gain clarity from anything that you've let go of. Now, a full moon in Leo in particular is 
but it's such a beautiful light energy. It's sparkly, it's bright, it's happy, and I feel like this full moon in Leo coming up is kind of like just so expansive and it's it's giving us a little preview of what's to come for this year. I feel like this year is just so much lighter and happier and I feel like a lot of people are actually feeling this way. So for working with plants in Leo on a full moon, what I would say to focus on would be herbs and plants and rituals that ground you because it is such a big sort of out there energy and you'll feel a lot of sort of like the spotlight turned on you and that's wonderful and that's great and it's a good time for you to sort of shine and put yourself out there it can also that can also leave you to feel quite ungrounded and it can be a little bit hard on your nervous system as well especially if you're more of an introvert and you feel this pull to do those things but then once you do it it makes you feel slightly untethered so grounding practices getting your feet in the on the bare grass or the earth getting your hands in dirt doing the gardening eating root vegetables and aromatherapy that less around the top notes that you would find in things like citrus and going more towards those sort of base notes so really woodsy essential oils like cedarwood pine even frankincense would be really good and and herbal teas that nourish the nervous system so things like milky oats just to sort of keep things really calm whilst you're out there shining your light. And now I'm going to hand it over to Hannah to talk to you about the Wheel of the Year and Lamas or Lunasa. Hi, hello everybody. This is Hannah and I'm coming in to talk to you today about the Wheel of the Year, doing a little intro to the Wheel of the Year, talking about Lamas which is the part of the Wheel of the Year that we're in right now. We're about to celebrate it when this podcast is released, actually. And I'm also going to touch a little bit on the Manifestation Live that we're going to be doing on Instagram together on Friday. So keep an ear out for that. So the Wheel of the Year is pretty well known in pagan and witchcraft circles. However, if you haven't heard of it before, the Wheel of the Year is basically a pagan practice where we celebrate the cycles of life through eight annual seasonal festivals. We celebrate these festivals by drawing on the traditions of our ancestors and also we use nature as a keystone, which Frances Billinghurst, who is an Australian author, mentions in her book Dancing the Sacred Wheel, which I highly, highly recommend and I will mention concepts from this book in this podcast, so I highly recommend that if you are interested in this content and about learning more on the wheel of the year that you grab yourself a copy. I should also mention that the main reason I love this book is actually because um, a lot of content and information about the wheel of the year and seasonal living comes from a North American or even kind of European perspective. And those, because this is seasonal living, it doesn't necessarily translate to the Australian climate. (laughs) And also depending on what state you're in, it may be different then as well. So I do highly recommend it because of that, but also she writes beautifully and I love the way that she's approached the book. Now the concept of the Wheel of the Year is not unfamiliar across the globe. So there's a Hellenic Wheel of the Year, so Greek Wheel of the Year, that actually involves 12 celebrations. Um, The Indigenous Australian people had their own specific to each individual area. 
um, which was very much, and all of these wheels and all of these seasonal living celebrations were based on a foundation of astronomy, so watching the stars and the planets, and also observation. I think that was the key thing, is they observed nature, which is something we're really out of touch with these days. Um, so if there's any advice I could give you in how to actually absorb this and use this in your everyday life and really get to know it um, right to your core, it would be to go out and get into the garden and observe seasons firsthand. However, I digress. Let's get back to the kind of Celtic pagan Wheel of the Year, which is what I'm basing today's information off. So it is called the Wheel of the Year because when it is represented visually, it is drawn as a wheel. And the Celtic Wheel of the Year has eight different celebrations. We tend to start with midwinter, which is Yule, may sound familiar, it's kind of like Christmas, it was the original Christmas, and that is in the depths of winter. And that is a really potent time, and the reason why we use that as the new year is because it's a time of death and making way for rebirth, which is going to begin in spring. Then comes Imolk, which is also known as Candlemas, then Ostara, the spring equinox, then we have Beltane, uh, we have Litha, which is the summer solstice, some people call it Litha, uh, Lamas, which is where we are now, then we have Maybon, which is the autumn equinox, and Samhain, or Samhain, which is All Hallows Eve, and then we have Yule again, which is circling right back around to the winter solstice. So we basically have solstices, equinoxes, and then cross-quarter days, which are between them. And that's how that works. And so they happen approximately every six weeks. And it's a really beautiful way to live. I love that I, I'm quite a festive person. And so it excites me that I get to celebrate eight times a year. I understand this might be very confusing if you've never actually seen a picture of the Wheel of the Year. So if you haven't already followed us on Instagram, jump over, give us a follow and stay tuned because we will be actually posting a picture of the Wheel of the Year so that you can see with your own eyes and it will help everything make a lot more sense. <laughs> Another really cool thing about the Wheel of the Year, the Celtic Wheel of the Year, is we have a story to follow and that also helps to incorporate it into our everyday life because you can follow the narrative, the archetypal energies and the story of these archetypes uh, as they progress through the year. And so it's often known as the story of the Oak and Holly Kings. Also, you can hear the Horned God mentioned quite a bit and Gaia, the goddess, and it's the story of their lives. And you see their story reflected in nature and how nature progresses throughout the year. So it is really beautiful. And it's something that is also a great story to, to translate and tell to kids. Um, if you're teaching children about the Wheel of the Year, because it makes sense in story form. Now let's actually talk about Lamas, or Lunasa, Lunasa, however you would prefer to pronounce it. It's also known as Lofmas, or Lu's Day, uh, which is referring to the god Lu, he's an Irish sun god. Uh, and that's, you know, these celebrations get their names from multiple different places, but they generally all come back to the same symbology, so... With this celebration, it is the first of the harvest, or the first harvest, and it is the day where people would celebrate the first harvest of the season. And essentially, we're celebrating abundance, bountiful food, and merriment because the season was hopefully successful for them, and or for you, and 
So it would be celebrated with a feast, which pretty much every celebration on the Wheel of the Year is celebrated with food, uh, because we love food. Um, but also it was it was a, a time for people to come together and celebrate together. So a nice big feast, usually using the ripe fruits from the harvest and the grain. And so that's also where the name Lofamus comes in, because the grain, the first grain from the first harvest would be used to make a loaf of bread that would be blessed and then shared. And also a portion of this bread would be left as an offering for the gods as a thank you for a plentiful and successful harvest. If you're looking at the tradition of Lu and his side of that story, you would be looking at funeral games for the death of his mother. And so there were goods traded and games of strength and skill and also year and a day marriage contracts would be drawn up. And so traditionally you were actually able to be married for a year and a day to kind of try it out and see if it worked for you, if you're a good pair. And then if you no longer wanted to continue with the marriage after a year and a day, you could be released from your contract and go on with your merry life. And I think that that is actually a very practical way of approaching marriage in a lot of senses. But yeah, that those contracts were drawn up on Lamas. If we're to talk about the energy of Lamas, I would look at release. It is typically a time for taking stock, reevaluating, reprioritizing, looking at family groups and dynamics, resetting boundaries. It's a great time for just letting go of what no longer serves you, but also looking at the lessons in that. So why didn't it serve you? Or if you had goals from the previous year, why didn't they come to fruition? Uh, because there's a lesson in everything and Lamas is all about moving on, letting go of the dead weight of the things that no longer serve your highest good, but also remembering and having a moment to appreciate why that was the case. In another one of my books, reading about Lamas, I came across the words alchemy and transformation. And I think it goes beautifully hand in hand with the concept of that moving forward, having learnt your lesson because I really don't believe in failure per se, and that's something we're definitely going to be talking more about in the future. But in general, uh, just looking at everything, every opportunity, every experience you've had that maybe wasn't exactly what you had planned it to be, looking at that as a learning experience rather than a failure or a mistake. And that's really how you transform. And so I think that that was a really beautiful sentiment. So aside from a feast where you would have the bread and ripe bountiful produce, which by the way is just an indicator to really try to eat seasonally because you will know exactly what to eat for each celebration if you look at what's in season at the time. Uh, but also it's a great time for fire and burning magic and candle magic, just not outside because as Frances will talk about in her book, um, it is bushfire season in a lot of areas of Australia, so we don't want to be having bonfires outside necessarily. But it's a great time to pull out your candles and do some candle spells inside. And also, it's a great time to make corn dollies, which you can Google. They are very cute. It's also, again, that sitting down with family or with your partner and reassessing obligations and expectations and really nutting out what's working for you in this season of your life. So there are correspondences with each celebration, and these are things that go hand in hand beautifully with the season, the archetype of the season, the energy of the season. And so again, the message of this season is a time for transformation, for letting go, release, and moving forward. 
uh, the gods associated with this season, which is corresponding with fire, and the sun is Adonis, John Barleycorn, Dionysus, Demuzi, Lu, Tamas, I'm probably saying that wrong, and then there's one I absolutely can't pronounce, that's Aztec. Um, and then we've got Athena, Ceres, Demeter, Silu, and another Aztec deity that I cannot pronounce. <laughs> and the colours for the season are gold, yellow, olive green, and black. And the candle colours are honey yellow or orange, but really I think any of those kind of harvest colours would work. Uh, the crystals are aventurine, citrine, and peridot. And some of the botanicals, so plants, that would be great for this season to work with include corn, wheat, yarrow, frankincense, rye, sandalwood. Really think of any, again, any of those end-of-season harvest, uh, autumnal, end-of-summer kind of feeling plants. And so if you were to decorate your altar space, which, again, we'll probably talk about at some point, about what altars are and why you should have one and what you can do with it, but if you were decorating your altar space and you've already got one, incorporate these crystals, incorporate these colors, these candles. If you have sigils or symbols or figurines of the gods and goddesses you like to work with, uh, do that. You can use tangerine peels. You can use, again, your corn dollies, really anything that represents this season to you. Uh, and cauldrons so that you can do your burning of intentions or let release letters. Uh, and it's a great time for all of this. So I hope you found that interesting and we will be covering every celebration of the Wheel of the Year until we come back around. So uh, there's more to come on that. But manifestation, I mean, I think it's a beautiful time of year for that also. It makes sense. We've just come into the new calendar year. We are releasing all of the things that no longer serve us. And in the same breath, we're planting seeds for the next season. So that goes hand in hand with llamas. That's something else that is a focus for this time of year is planting the seeds, right? So manifestation is something that is thrown around a lot, that term. And, you know, everybody has a different way of manifesting or calling in what they're looking for in their life. Uh, creating the life that they want to live. And so Christy and I are actually going to be talking about this in a live on Instagram this coming Friday. That is Friday the 3rd of February. So uh, keep an eye out on the podcast page and we'll share the details of where you can find the live. And we'll be talking about what works for each of us, the concept of manifestation, what our relationship with that is, and some of our personal tips and tricks as well. So we look forward to seeing you there. So thank you so much for being here and spending your time with us. We hope you're really excited for the future of the podcast and everything that we have coming for you. And we really look forward to chatting with you again soon. Happy Lamas. Thank you for joining us and for listening in. We know your time is sacred and special and we appreciate you spending yours with us. Please feel free to go ahead and follow us on Instagram at oldwaysforthenewage underscore podcast to see more of what we talk about here. We hope you'll join us next time. Until then, bye for now.